I'm Kim Schmidt, Executive Editor of Farm Equipment. Welcome to Farm Equipment's Used Equipment Remarketing Roadmaps Podcast. In this episode brought to you by Iron Solutions, host Casey Seymour of Moving Iron LLC sits down with John Hawkins of Martin Sullivan, a 13-store John Deere dealership in Illinois. If this is your first time listening, you can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, or TuneIn Radio. By subscribing, you're alerted when each new episode's released. Let's listen in as Casey and John discuss how the first quarter fared for them, as well as how a wet fall and early winter left a lot of fall tillage undone and how that might impact spring planting. And now into spring, the weather is still causing challenges with heavy rain and even snow still hitting a lot of regions. They also get into the used planter market, particularly demand for high-speed planters. John, how you doing, buddy? Good. How are you doing, Case? Good to hear from you, man. Man, if I was any better, John, I'd be you, buddy. That's that's how that's how good things are. I've heard that for a few years, so uh, <laughs> I'm still I'm still waiting for that. But appreciate it. <laughs> now, John's a good friend of mine, and every chance I get to get him on here, it's a it's a it's a big deal for me because John's one of those guys that I have a lot of respect for in the industry. And John's got uh, we used to bounce stuff off each other back when we were both used equipment guys a lot, and uh, and now uh, we both have different roles within the company but we still have a direct tie to used equipment so john uh as you look around here the first quarter of the year what are what are you some of your takeaways so far uh as you look back here through the through march yeah you know i look back i look at the first quarter of the year and you know um see a lot of uh still a lot of strength in the market for us compared to carrying over from last year uh, really a lot of a lot of new equipment strength we didn't have as much used equipment as we've had in the past so uh, some of those sales have transitioned over to new, which has been good. We are seeing some building up of used inventories, but you know that's something we've learned how to manage through it, and uh, hopefully uh, learn from our uh, shortcomings, maybe in years past, and and um, a little bit more proactive with our management plan. So yeah, and I would I would echo those those comments, man. We take a look at what we've done so far our first year. We've had. Our January and Februarys were, were all strong months. In a lot of cases, they were they were stronger than than we'd had uh, the year before. And echo to your point, we our used our new equipment sales have been have been up um, a little bit. Our used equipment sales have been up as well. But we're also seeing some some transition, you know, into a into more of a a used equipment uh, a population that we probably haven't seen for a while. As we look and see what's happened there. That 12 and 14 model equipment's really starting to be kind of a an Achilles heel for us. And I think if you look at the market, it's starting to be the same way. A lot of those pieces of equipment were the ones that guys got brand new in 2012 or 13 or 14 or whenever it was. And through the downturn, they hadn't trans they haven't traded it like like they normally would have. And we're starting to see that machines come in with some pretty significant hours on them. Are you seeing a similar situation where you're at? Uh, yeah, you know, we don't see quite the hours you do just for the just the way our our demographics work out with our, our farm sizes and whatnot. But we have some 12, 13 and 14 machines that, you know, I would say are, uh, you know, we, we keep on thinking they're S-series combines. That's great. They are S-series combines and they're really pretty dependable now. But, uh, you know, what we see is that those machines are, are mid are midlife uh, are combines. You know, we we think of S-series, we think of the latest and greatest and newest. Mm-hmm. Some of these machines, 12, 13 and 14s are... Uh, are either second machines now for people or, uh, or like I say, midlife machines for maybe a third, fourth user that will make a good machine, but it's not going to be, uh, not going to be a premium, uh, a premium, like new right. machine. Yep. And that's what we're seeing too. Those machines that are coming in now are some of those, like the 13, 14s, especially 
do have some guys with some 9770s or something along that that vintage that are looking at um, moving into uh, S series combine or something like that, doing some updating. So we're starting to see some some traction there. To your point, yeah, that's exactly right. It's a you're looking at some backup combines or backup tractors or something along those lines. Especially if you find like a a four wheel drive. I've been seeing a lot of four wheel drives that have PTOs on them that are falling into that that category just for that cheaper horsepower, you know, grain cart rig. You can also yeah. throw a planter on it or a tillage piece or whatever it might be. So there's some there's some stuff going on there. So yeah, the, the good thing is those those 12, 13, and 14 machines, those S series combines, but what I see is uh they might maybe been through the shop a couple times. Right. Um, they've been reconditioned a couple times through trades, and they're actually, I think, they're really pretty decent machines now, and, and on the market. And uh, you know, somebody can get some real value there if they decide, hey, I want to buy a, a thirteen or a fourteen model machine because those fourteen models when they came out new, they were pretty decent machines. Yeah, and I think they're just. They, they might have some hours on it, but you're going to see a lot of, you see some good value there if you, if you look at those machines. Yeah, there's been plenty of plenty of work that's been done to those over the course of this of this downturn. And, you know, guys didn't necessarily um, skip on the repair part of it. You know, they, they made sure that the machine was going to operate, was going to do what they needed to do. They improved a lot of things too just like any other any other any other machine as it goes down the line there's always product improvements to come out stuff like that so those things always come out so you do have a a, like you said a solid machine that's got some some pretty good uh, reconditioning done to it over the years so far okay all right so if you take a look at uh what's going on now we got all this trade stuff going on with china and i guess we're they've put a uh, a date on the on the uh, calendar, I guess, when they're supposed to meet, or actually, or looking at calendars anyway to make sure they can pin a date down and, and some stuff going on. So there's that's kind of headed in the direction we need to have a head in the uh, the U.S., the Mexico, and North and uh, Canada free trade agreement that's coming out. That's pretty much been inked. Um, just got to get it ratified through Congress and get that taken care of. So. From a trade perspective, it looks like we're heading in a good direction. You see, we saw a reflection of that in the markets here the last uh, few days. But but the one caveat that's kind of hanging out there that, that could be uh, a big deal for people is the weather. And so for like where we're at right now, over see Wednesday night through Thursday, we had about depending on where you're at 12 to 16 inches of rain 20 mile an hour winds and greater, you know, down depending on where you were. So we had quite a bit of snow laying. We had a fair amount of of rain before that and, and where you guys are at out there in illinois you guys had can't catch a break man you guys are actually going into the water business man you should be selling some water somewhere as much water as you got laying around out there because of that water that you've had you had some uh fall tillage work that didn't get done um there's some some parts of that area where crops didn't even get cut so talk a little bit about that and what you see happening out there right now yeah, that's the one dynamic of the market that, uh, you know, unfortunately we can't control and uh, would be really nice if we could figure out how to control that. But uh, we, we're, we're at the mercy of Mother Nature and the agriculture business, whether we're farmers, whether we're, we're uh, commercial applicators, seed, seed dealers, equipment dealers. So we're kind of all at the mercy there. Illinois, you know, it has its own dynamics. We, we had really an early, uh, an early fall. Or I should say early winter, and a lot of field work didn't get done because we did have a start to have a late fall. Uh, crops got out, then we had early winter. I'd say probably half our half our work got done, maybe a little bit more this this fall, and uh, still a lot of nitrogen to go on. Then with that with that winter, we had we had some really cold, a lot of cold, which sent frost really deep into the ground. So uh, 
right now, I like I told Case earlier, we feel like we're in the spring mode. It, it feels like spring um, right now. It's it's starting to uh, starting to smell like spring out there. We've had a lot of rain here recently, but we still got to get that th- that f- uh, frost out of the ground. And uh, we all know when we get a lot of frost in the ground, we get a lot of rain. We get a lot of ponding as well. It's going to be it's going to take some time. Um, how that all works out for us, boy, I, I wish I knew here moving ahead, but let's just say we're going to have a lot of work to do and it's going to be frantic and fever paced when uh, when it gets started here, probably in uh, in a couple of weeks, trying to finish up with that fall, at least some of the fall tillage, more than likely just with a lot of, a lot of nitrogen. Now, the big dynamic in that is we really don't know if guys are going to have enough time to get their nitrogen on, so we don't know if it's going to switch maybe uh, – from uh, some farmers will switch more from from corn acres back to bean acres because we're we're pretty heavy. I'd say you know 65, 35 corn bean rotation. Uh, we might we might be pushing closer to fifty fifty here after this whole thing is done, just because guys aren't going to be able to get their nitrogen on. Yeah, have you had a lot of talk about that about switching acres? I mean, are you hearing more about that, or is it more uh, of a just kind of wait and see? We'll see what we can do. Type I of would say I would say it's all a wait and see right now. I think everybody has has their options laid out in front of them. They know what they need to do. the The good thing is is here here uh, today in today's ag climate, a lot of our guys are fairly well equipped, and they have a, they have a real good resource staff of, of advisors. Um, whether it's through their 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 uh, Certified crop advisors, whether it's through their dealerships, whether it's through their their ASPs, you know, ag service providers, that they're they're giving them the options. They're telling them how they need to be equipped to to handle whatever they need to do. So I think the options are on the table. You know, once again, they're uh, they're just waiting to see what Mother Nature is going to say is right. is how the house fit. And I think it might come down to the day or the week, Casey, before they really know what direction they're going to go. But once they once they decide, they're going to go quick. Yep. All right. So that brings up another point now that I want to talk about with you, John. And because of the planning window that we were going to have this year across the entire United States, I don't care where you're at. There may be a few exceptions where things are kind of humming along like they're supposed to. But whether you're in the Delta or if you're in uh, the Mississippi River Valley or if you're out my way or wherever it might be, that planning window is going to be short and tight this year. So high-speed planters i think are going to be a a a bigger deal than they've been in the past a lot of guys have made that decision now what they're going to do um but with window playing window the way it is and when they get out in the field and start working i think next year that 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 high-speed planter is going to start playing a bigger role than what we even see it playing now so talk to me a little bit about how you see the exact emerge planter stacking up in there as well as any kind of precision pressure that you're getting from from either other dealers or, or whatever it might be. Yeah. I see, I see that, uh, that high speed market growing every year. Hey, it, it's, it's taken a while to catch hold because it is an expensive investment, Yeah. but every year it grows a little bit more. Um, you know, we planner planner market in the whole, we, we just, we couldn't trade for enough planners last year. We felt like we had to demand at the time of the planner early order program. Weather was weather was very bearish. The markets were bearish as well, and it just didn't work out. It didn't work out real well. Well, we did we did stock some high speed planners, and we sold all through those as well. This so any 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 high speed planner we had, whether it was new in stock or used one, we've sold them all, and I think there's demand for more. What'll be interesting is how. This uh, the second user here in a few years. You start getting some high speed planters that are one, two, three, four years old, and uh, you start taking those in on trade. I think that demand will go even it will go even faster and harder just for the fact that 
expensive investment new they get a little bit of, they get depreciated down they get uh, they get repaired a little bit and uh, brought back the good spec i could see uh, the used market on high speed being uh, being really strong in the next year or so and you're right what you and what's going to drive that is is seasons like this casey right. yeah. You just don't know. I mean, guys, guys want to move. They want to move fast. They want to be able to plant a crop in, in five days. The way they're going to be able to do that with recommendations from their providers, whether it's a dealer or an equipment dealer or a ag service provider, say, hey, have a high-speed planter. Well, unfortunately, that inventory is not out there on the market as much as we'd like to say. So it might be a learning experience this year, but I think it'll just continue to grow the, uh, the strength uh, for the, that demand of that planter. Yeah. And I, I agree with that, man. We, we look at what we have now. We have, uh, you know, like you said, our, our demand for planners is, is higher than it's been in the past four years, right? It's just been off the charts comparatively. That, the high speed planner end of it is is something that I think we're going to be able to, to push really good, and especially when we start talking about the agronomics of what those planners can do. Whether it's uh, equal downforce across each row, or you know the individual row thing, is what's going to be even a bigger part of that, um, in my opinion. Because now you have a, a variable rate planner on steroids, man. You can just do all kinds of stuff based on soil conditions or where you're at on on, on the grade of the of the field or whatever it might be. So yeah, they might be expensive, but the return on investment is pretty high. Absolutely. Yep. So there's a there's a lot of stuff to be and like you said there. We're we're moving into what this is be. See, 2015 was the first year for that. So we're, we're going into the to the fifth planning cycle of that. And it's going to be interesting to see not only how those that used market stacks up, but that, that second or third trade-in now, we start looking at some of that stuff. What's that third trade-in start looking like and how does that hold in its value? Yeah. And it, it so far from what I can tell, it's it's been holding its value quite well. Yeah, I really, I really uh, you know, in the last two years we haven't had a used exact emerge planner hit the lot once yeah. we trade for it you know it's it's sold before it hits the lot so and i think that's pretty tells us how what the demand for that planner is on the market with it being a used planner mm-hmm. have you had any guys um that were strong 24 row guys look at that and say you know what i can go down to a 16 row or a 12 row or something like that into well, no, I didn't. we've had some db guys that look at that and say we can go down to a 24 yeah I think the, the speed of the planter thing was such a such a draw at the beginning when it first came out, and now it's like the third or fourth thing that guys look at when they're looking at, at buying that planter. There's a there's a lot more to it than speed, and and I think that that was the that was kind of the big selling point. How look how fast you can go, but now it's emergence and you know singularity and all those different things that start playing into it. Those are those are way more important than than the speed. I think. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think the I think that's where the key is, is just how how well that places the seed in the ground, and your singulation is so much better, even at a high speed than you would be at a normal speed with a, a regular you know vacuum planter. Right. Yep. Okay. So now let's jump over. Do you have a lot of precision pressure where you're at? Um, you know we do, but we we also we also sell some precision products as well through uh, through uh, a secondary market, but mm-hmm. you know. We do being tree mods real close. Um, yep. Tree mods actually in our in our in our area of responsibility. But uh, you know, it's one of those things you learn how to you learn how to work around and work through. There's going to be people who want precision equipment. There's going to be people who want uh, John Deere equipment, and you just try to give them the best and, and the most honest and transparent recommendations for what's for for what's right for them. Yep. And uh, you know, our last I saw, I think uh, precision equipment goes on a lot of John Deere, uh, you know, pre-owned equipment. And so 
we're going to try to we'll try to trade for that as well and, and sell it. I think it's it's a, it's a uh, I mean it's a proven product. Um, is it is it the same quality as John Deere? Argumentative, but uh, you know uh, it's one of those things that uh, I would say we're going to we're going to be open to either John Deere or Precision if it does come on our lot. No, I, I just the reason I asked that question. I mean, we're the same way. We have we have a, some some Precision uh, parts that we sell as well, and and we've got. A fair amount of uh, you know mom and pop type planter guys that are putting building some some bars and stuff out there for guys. But you know when I, I look at a lot of those, uh, I'm, I'm really interested to see how those those parts are going to start interacting when they start looking at some auction values or you start looking at some trading values of you know like we've talked about a thousand times you and I the stuff that you bolt on doesn't have the same intrinsic value as something that's just part of the machine when it's uh, yeah. when, when it's sold new, right? So absolutely. I'm kind of watching that that precision stuff right now, trying to get a feel for where that used market is. And from the best I can tell, there is a uh, pretty significant drop off in value from from what it costs new to to where it is one or two years old. So, are you, are you seeing anything similar to that? Uh, yeah, we we do, and yep. you know, it's that's the thing. You know, it, it all depends on the person who who um, right. who ends up being the end user. Who you know, you might get a person who's who's been precision before that values that a little bit differently. But but in general, if it goes through the auction market, there is a, there is a lot more of a drop off than let's say just a genuine John Deere exact emerge. Yeah, it's like it's like planners. You know, their fingerprint. Everyone's different, and uh, I think that's what you run into with the with the precision side of the business is that one guy wants. X, the other guy wants Y, and the planner you got's got X on it. You know what I mean? And it's kind of back and forth. It's just the same way. You know, our planners for the most part have a have a pretty. There's a few standard points that they they all have. You know, and that's a surefire system of some kind or something like that. That's pretty standard across our EOR. But there is a few oddball things that pop up once in a while, and those oddball things that pop up once they're just we can't we can't really value them for very much because the next guy that is obviously either going to take it off or not want Absolutely. it or he's going to discount the price of the machine because he's got to do something or whatever else. So agree with you completely there. Yeah. We, we we look at the same way, you know, and that's, you're right. You know, the planner is pretty much the fingerprint of the person. It's whatever they want. And, yeah. uh, not not you know Harley or anybody is anybody the same. You might get some small pockets here or there, but you know there's so many differences or variations you can do to a planner that it has to. That's why I like the Exact Emerge is that it it pretty much it's high speed. It's that way from the factory. It has the options on that the customer got from the factory, and uh, they seem to they seem to be just a little bit. Uh, they say they sell better because yeah, of that. I think so. I think you're right. I mean, it's just because you can't take it off, right? So it has to have it on there for the for the planner to work. So it yeah. makes a big difference, in my opinion, to, to make it to do what it needs to. We'll get back to Casey and John in a moment. But first, a quick word from the company who made this podcast possible. Iron Solutions has deep roots in the ag industry with products for producers, dealers, manufacturers, ag retailers, and service providers. Visit www.ironsolutions.com to see solutions that streamline your operations, improve productivity, reduce cost, and speed your growth. A quick break in the action to invite you to our annual Dealership Mind Summit. Check out this unique management event for farm equipment dealers only at www.dealershipmindssummit.com. It's a quick hit, two-day mastermind style summit that connects you to your peers of all colors. Come participate and learn from the very best minds in the ag machinery dealer world, all seeking solutions to your same challenges. www.dealershipmindssummit.com 
Let's get back to the program now as Casey and John discuss used combines, which Casey describes as a stray dog that just won't go away. Let's jump over and talk about combines here a little bit. That's, that is, you know, if you're in used equipment at all, combines are the thing that just never go away, right? It's the, it's that stray dog that just won't go away. You know what I mean? I guess the best way to put it. So you take a look at, uh, at the combine market. I, I feel like there's some, there's some strength there, but it, to me, it's, it's more in that three year old to new range. I think that's where a lot of them are plays coming from. What are you guys seeing for used combine market and how do you see it working out for you guys there in Illinois? Yeah, uh, you know, we talked about that a little earlier that, you know, our combine, our combine inventory is a little bit higher now than it has been in years past. That's, that's signs to that, uh, that, are, you know, maybe, uh, that our economy is getting a little bit healthier, farm economy is getting a little bit healthier and guys who maybe, uh, hadn't bought machines the last few years or deciding to buy some machines again, you know, if it's far as the use side. Yeah, I would say that our, our one, two, three-year-old machines are, are, are fairly popular. And uh, we actually have some one-year-old machines now that to sell where in the, in the past, we just didn't sell enough new to to have some of that carry into the season or into the next season. So I still think there's a pretty decent market for that mid that midlife machine too, if it's the right hours. Now, if it's not the right hours, it's a little bit higher hour, like maybe what you would see out there on, you know, maybe a comment goes through the wheat run or, or some sort of customer on, um, I can see where that could be a little bit of a challenge, but you know, we'll have some mid mid year combines or some lower hours that still are, are pretty popular machines. You know, you have 14, 15, you know, model machine. If it's got low hours, it's, it's a pretty popular machine. Yeah. seems like for us that 15 model is kind of the cutoff, you know I mean? You get, you start looking at machines that got 2000, 2500 separator hours on them, those kind of things. That's when you really start kind of running into the, I don't know who the next buyer is. And oddly enough, the Mexican market is actually been quite open to S-series combines with those kind of hours on them that they can buy yeah, in yeah. that $125,000 to $130,000 range. You seen anything like that in your neck woods? Yeah, absolutely. But you know, back when you and I were used equipment, uh, you know, guys back, you know, a few moons ago, that was, uh, that was the, uh, you know, 2008, 2009 S or STS combine. Yeah. It's really pretty much the same machine. It's just, you know, just a different you know, a different uh, model and a little different machine, but uh, you know, it's pretty much from a year and a price standpoint. That's that. That's that market. And that, that's the one thing too. We, you know, the ninety-seven seventy guys are looking at. You know, some there's Mexicans that are looking for those uh, buyers that are looking for those as well. Um, we see them come up and talk to us about that a lot as well. So that kind of gives you an idea that that ten to fifteen year old kind of window that that those buyers are looking for. I mean, it's starting to kind of ring true when you start looking at maybe some 2012 model machines. You're getting pretty close to that 10-year-old time frame, but also price is driving it too. Are you doing anything different right now as far as the number? Uh, we start looking at your used combine market. Are you doing anything different now than you were last year? I mean, are you looking at things different are you is there um, some different avenues you're looking at you know, we, we do we're just a lot more proactive now yeah, than we, yeah. we had been in the past you know we're, we're identifying the machines that maybe uh we have a little bit more risk than we maybe uh had had in the past and and, and look at those right now and mm-hmm. saying okay start to let's start to execute a plan today march 15th instead of waiting till august 15th yeah. or july 15th you know, and just just try to be more proactive with the situation. And it, it, number one, number one of number one part of a plan is, is identification. And, right. You know, you can identify earlier and start to build a plan earlier and start to execute on a plan earlier. You're you're probably you're more likely to be in a better position. Yeah, that's what we've started doing more than anything now. Is we're looking at every Monday. We're, we're me and my team are looking at uh, three months out and six months out. What do we need for used equipment? And then 
filling those, trying to fill those gaps, obviously, from inside our AOR as much as we can and uh, go out and target those machines that, that we need to fill those gaps with, with new ones. And that's kind of what we're trying to do. So I, I think it's going to pay off. Like you said, being proactive, being less reactive, uh, we're really good about knowing what we need to have about halfway through the, the selling cycle. And then, yeah. when, and then when we finally get it, that selling cycle is done. And we wonder why we got something that's been sitting around forever. But yeah, I think there's we're, we're looking at stuff a lot different now than we have in the past just to be like you said, proactive using a lot of EDA data and, and other other avenues of data that we can come up with um, to really help drive that proactiveness when we're looking at our used inventory. So there's a there's got to be some some a better way to to, be, to manage your inventory. Always trying to find that. When you look at your row crop market right now, where do you think you have the highest return at right now? Is it is it the row crop tractor or is it four wheel drive tractors or, or what is it that's that you see as a as a big push for you yeah for us it's a row crop tractor probably the biggest thing though I, we just don't have a lot of row crop inventory i'd love to have some more we, we might have to go out and, and, and get on to go on the market and and get some more just for the fact that uh you know we, we've sold a lot of machines uh, in the last it's a lot of a lot of tractors the last few years we had a lot of guys who maybe during the uh, kind of the down might have uh downscale a little bit with their tractor inventory and said, well, we can go with the tractor less or, or a couple tractors less. And now feel a little bit stronger. They're feeling a little bit healthier and they want to buy a machine back. And so we've sold a lot of, we've sold a lot of uh, outright deals in the last, uh, in the last four to five months on tractors. And that's kind of showing in our, uh, in our, uh, in a row crop used inventory. Another thing is, is when we, we do get a trade, let's say it's a pre-DAF, pre-DAF 8R or it's a late model 30 series. Those things are sold. The, the demand for those tractors are very high and we just don't, uh, we don't see a lot of them, they, them hitting a lot ever. Yeah. They, they, they're, they're sold before, uh, before they hit the lot. So with that being said, it's, it's really good for our, our tractor inventory. It's healthy. It turns quick. Mm-hmm. But I'd like to have a, maybe a little bit more inventory. Yeah, and we're kind of the same way. You know, we, the 30 series tractor, pretty much irregardless of ours, is something that, that guys are looking for. Kind of back to our earlier conversation of that backup tractor and what that looks like. So we'll get a, a five or 6,000 hour 30 series tractor to come in and, and uh, somebody will come by that. And it's all price driven, right? It's not, there's not some huge demand for uh, overpaying on 30 series tractors, but it's a price driven market. You know, it's, it's a price rig now. It's not a, a benefit rig. It's a price rig. So we're starting to see that too um kind of the same way we could probably use a, a few more eight hours or something like that to fill some you know, gaps the exciting thing for us though is that uh, you know in the past we had a, we had a good supply of you know one-year-old low-houred eight hours mm-hmm. those are those are for the most part gone right uh, so so what that what we've been able to do is uh fill that gap with some new tractors too and and you really some guys some farmers producers that you know in the past had always bought maybe their tractors new right and when we hit the uh when we hit kind of the the hyperinflation era of used equipment they started buying the one-year-old used because they were available they were plentiful they weren't too far off of the new price and uh, started buying used so we 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 moved some of those guys back into new equipment and that, and there's there's nothing better than if you can you know, get a traditional producer to to buy a new tractor it's uh it's something that uh I think they'll they'll benefit from in the long term too and we do because we we'd like to sell new equipment whenever we can and uh you know it's it's one of those things that I think you'll see we see more of those people starting to look well if you don't have that used machine what do you have for new so we have we have a good we have a good selection of new tractors as well we can sell yeah yeah we're seeing the same thing it's it's kind of a it's it's really funny how everybody wants to 
to take a look at their at their area and say, oh, we're different than everybody else. But in the grand scheme, yeah. and really everyone's pretty much the same. I mean, For sure. you might be able to have something, you might have a rig out there somewhere that is a specialty thing that is kind of to your area, but 90% of what you do is North American wide, man. Whether it's Canada or the U.S., it doesn't really matter. It's going to be about the same. Yep, I agree. Okay. All right, man. So let's take a look at what you see happening here going into uh, – kind of the rest of the year kind of through planting season into uh into harvest so yeah what's your, what's your feel for the overall economy and, and how do you see things shaping up well you know and if you know the answer to this john you need i'm going to go out and you and I'm, become I'm gonna, a billionaire i'm going right? to give you a plug right here okay and i'm going to give i'm going to give moving iron podcast a plug because you're talking to a lot of you're talking to a lot of people i mean whether you're a farmer whether you're uh you know, ag service provider or equipment dealer, seed dealer. We all have a lot of risk in agriculture today, especially with the dynamics we're facing with, with trade, with weather, with markets, and nothing's cheap. Whether right. whoever you are in, in ag, it's, it's it's all it's all rather. Uh, we all have a lot of risk. Right. Being able to listen to podcasts like yours, talk to different people in the market, it's able to help help us all uh, understand where we need to position ourselves. If I had the answer, I, 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 I definitely wouldn't probably tell you because uh, <laughs> I keep that to myself, but you know, it's one of those things that we're going to, we're in for, in for a very memorable 2019. Uh-huh. I mean, we won't forget just because there's so many more dynamics that we've never seen before. We have trade, we have weather impacts. There's just a lot of stuff that's going to affect our market and affect our customers markets that uh, we just need to stay ahead of, try to understand the trends and position ourselves to be the best we can it's still kind of we're kind of like that we're kind of like that farmer that doesn't know whether to plant corn or soybeans we're going to wait and see right. we're going to be aggressive and uh i think everybody that wants to be in a business is going to be aggressive but yet we're going to ha- we're going to have our we're going to have all our options weighed out in front of us and when it's time to act we're going to act quick yeah and that's exactly what you have to have to do man that execute that plan we talk about the commodity guys that got in here with this chip or whoever talking about having a plan and sticking to that plan and, and moving forward so there's going to be a uh, 2019 i think is going to be that year we look back on and say hey you know what this was where we turned and this was the turn in the economy and this was the yeah. everything is getting is coming back to the way it should be we're, we hit that bottom of the trough and now we're coming back out so i, I think we could see some some climb in commodity prices this year just because of if the trade thing especially gets worked out and especially if there is some plane delays or whatever weather market of some kind kind of comes around so you know everybody wants a, a weather issue just not on their farm so it's uh it's one of those things where we're, we're starting to see some of, that, some of that stuff develop across the entire country, though. Some are worse than others, but it, it's a it's a, a nationwide thing. So I'm looking forward to see how 18 works out or 18, 19 works out and, and where that goes. And uh, I think we're going to see some some very positive things come out of the year. Yeah, no, I, I would like well say, Casey, once again, your podcast is great. It, it helps out people like myself to sit there and say, OK, what are, what are some of the resources that you pull together? And we can just listen and formulate our own plans. That's a great advantage that we didn't have five years ago, six years ago. It's nice to be able to have that as a resource. Well, I appreciate that, John. And for the for those of you that are tuning in for the first time, John's been on my podcast probably six, seven times. So he was the yeah. second guest on, on the Moving Iron podcast. So John's been a big supporter of this, and I appreciate that through the years, bud. All right. Well, let's shut it down here, John. So, okay. If guys, uh, we've been doing this for a little bit now, John. We've got a, got a lot of conversation out there. If, if guys want to reach out and pick your brain or ask you a question or something like that, what would be the best way for them to do that? Uh, you know what? You can you can 
find me on uh you can find me on twitter at uh, jhawk 8310r that time that was my favorite tractor that 8310r but uh probably had need to move it to a bigger model now right case That's but right, jhawk yeah. 10r is a good place so you can instant message me there um also uh jhawkins at martinsullivan.com you can also email me if you want as well right on well john it's uh it's great to have you on here and been a good friend over the years and i uh, look forward to working with you for many more and until the next time have a good one buddy Thanks, Casey and John. We've got even more used equipment remarketing resources that we're sending your way. In addition to this podcast, we're also tapping into Casey's expertise across all our informational channels. If you've got a question for Casey, I'd encourage you to head over to farm-equipment.com backslash AskTheExpert. Submit a question and we'll get Casey's answer to it on our Ask the Expert blog. Thanks once again to Iron Solutions for sponsoring this series. Iron Solutions provides dealers like you with an array of lifecycle management services that drive sales and profits. The Iron Search and Iron Guide suite of solutions is all about managing each dealership more efficiently and profitably, while Iron Search allows you to directly showcase your used equipment online to a wider universe of buyers. Visit www.ironsolutions.com today. If you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or the Google Play Store to get an alert when future episodes are released. You can also keep up on the latest industry news by registering online to receive our free newsletters. Visit www.farm-equipment.com. For Casey and John, as well as our entire staff here at Farm Equipment, I'm Kim Schmidt. Thanks for listening.